Podcasts, the latest frontier. These are the voyages of the Green Shirt Crew. Hi! Hey, everybody. Guys, please. Their continuing mission to watch the next generation for the first time. Uh, the second, actually. Third. To seek out old mistakes. Hey. And continuity errors. Guys, stop it right now. To boldly go where millions of fans have gone before. This week's episode, The Royale. So I went to a comic uh, collector shop the other day. Ooh. I had some gift cards and I was... Looking through, it's all collectible stuff. It's really a place where people go to buy and sell used uh, comics and such. And I found some uh, contemporary Next Generation magazines from the time. Oh. And, uh, so I was like, oh, well, I'll grab these and I'll be able to read some articles and uh, learn about, you know, what people thought of Pulaski and <laughs> why Crusher comes back and everything. And uh, so then he's asking me, oh, so uh, you, are you into Star Trek? And I'm like, yeah, here's my, my chance to sell the show. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, you know, we do, we do a Star Trek podcast. And I thought I'd get some of these, you know, uh, bone up on uh, what they were saying at the time. And he's like, oh, oh, so, so this is going to be mostly reference? I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, to, to read and enjoy. Oh, and then he kind of like takes one away. That was the first episode one with like Picard on the front. He's like, this is more of a collector's item. You probably don't want to read this. And it's just, I've never wow. actually seen that in real life. I was How like, much was he selling it for? It was like $60. Oh. And I was like, oh, I mean, uh, okay, yeah, I guess I don't need that one. It's like, yeah, yeah, because, I mean, someone will want this one, and you wouldn't want to read it. And I was like, wow. oh, okay, wow. that's, that's fine. You were that's actually going to buy it for 60 bucks, though? Well, they were all half off, and I just oh. had these gift cards I had to spend, so. Oh. Straight up comic guy. Number like, one no. episode. Yeah. Not, so uh, he wouldn't let you buy it, basically. <laughs> I mean, I think he would have if I insisted, but it was, it was really funny the way he reached into the bag and just, like, plucked that one out, pulled <laughs> wow. it slowly out, and, like, clutched it close. That's funny. Yeah. He probably would have thought it was sacrilege that I removed all those uh, Star Trek <laughs> right? figurines from their boxes. He has some and of those I... in there, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Pez dispensers, which I, I thought about getting those for my kid. And afterwards, I was like, oh, maybe those are collector's items, too? I, I don't know. I would have just popped them open and thrown them at my kid. Yeah. Eating the Pez that straight out of them there. Who cares if so there's a collector's item? Like, just have fun with what you got. You got to read it. I don't yeah, know. I mean, it seems weird, like for a magazine or a comic or anything, just not to be read. Like, I mean, be careful, yeah. read it, and then put it back in the sleeve and display it. But right. like, you can be careful and read something. Right. Well, like, you could you know, wear little white gloves. I was going to say, wear some gloves. Maybe, you know, <laughs> go take like, it into a filtered in, room. Yeah. Or go to Intel. Underground. Go hit Intel and see if you can use the clean room. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hello and welcome to Green Shirt, a newbie's trek through the next generation. I am just little Cammy H, just a small-time gambler, just now sitting down to the big boys' T&G table. <laughs> and here to my left, the uh, nefarious hustler, Robbie Jism Hands. Hey, I hate that word, Jism. That's why I chose it. it. <laughs> <laughs> and to my right, the Star Trek shark, Miss Marcy Big Blinds. Oh, yeah. I got yeah. some big blinds, buddy. That's right. She does. <laughs> Let me tell you. The biggest blinds the side of the Rio Grande. <laughs> <laughs> One of you just blow on these dice. Thank you. All right. Uh, yes, this week we watched The Royale, which is basically what happens, I think, when a writer really wants to do a Trapped in the Holodeck storyline, but is told by the producers, uh-uh, you blew your load on those this season. Yeah. That's not what happened, but it, it yeah. definitely felt that way. Totally. I guess what really happened was somebody wrote a script and it was this weird surrealist. Tracy Torme. Yeah. I, I guess it was very inspired by The Prisoner, Rob. Ooh. I you really want to do like a prisoner story in space. This isn't as good as The Prisoner. <laughs> Spoiler alert. And then some douchebag who was the guy that fucked with it. Morris Hurley. Yeah. Again, ruined the plot, apparently. I guess. I'm on the fence. I did. I, I've heard tale that you can find the original script, and I tried to track it down because I wanted to read it, but uh, I couldn't find it. Uh, but I, I guess that, you know, the reason was, like, they didn't want the story to be all about the astronaut. In the original script, the astronaut was alive and was trapped in this Groundhog Day prisoner-like situation. Mm. And it would have all been about him. And, I mean, and to his credit, at least it would have been about something. According to the writer, he's like, it was about loneliness and, and isolation. Oh, good. And this episode's not really about anything. No. It's no. about a theorem. But <laughs> I kind of had a lot of fun with this episode. I kind of liked it a lot. Oh, I my goodness. Sort of. Until the ending. It falls apart at the end, but... 
I should have figured that you'd like this. <laughs> really? Because it didn't seem like it. Because it seems like the problems I have with a lot of the holodeck ones. But I, I felt that they no, had enough good noir-y ideas. Kind it is of. a little noir sort but, of. Yeah, but like purposely bad noir. But that's what I like about it. Yeah, I know. That's kind of a cheap way. Like, like oh, we want to... I don't know. <laughs> bad noir is a bad noir. If, even if it's like aware that it's a bad noir. But I figure on the holodeck front, I re- figured the reason they didn't use a holodeck is because you can only trap them in the holodeck so many times. Like that, yeah, that's, that's that what cliche. I felt like. You only get to screw with the holodeck once a season. Right. If you get stuck in there every time you have a holodeck episode, <laughs> yeah. then yeah, they wouldn't have a holodeck. No. Like, right. How often, I wonder how often from now on they get trapped, stuck inside the holodeck. I don't know. I feel like it happens a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's already happened two and a half times and one and a half seasons. If not trapped, they spend like a whole adventure. Well, I know that's what I'm well, saying. Like going in there wrong with the holiday. They weren't yeah. stuck in the Sherlock Holmes world. They were No, but yeah, something was still like endangering the ship with it. Yeah. Okay, is that our time limit on holodeck time? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Time's up. <laughs> <laughs> uh so we uh open with the Enterprise. They are investigating some litter that the Klingons found in an uncharted system. Doesn't that sound like a great thing to be is the guys that just like, hey, uh, Starfleet, uh-huh. we found this shit. Go check it out and then just drive away. <laughs> I, I, I like the idea that the Klingons figured out that it was from Earth and they're like, Starfleet, come clean up your trash. Like they sent a video <laughs> with a Klingon with a single tear going down his face, like that old litter commercial. I thought it's more that like you just give Starfleet the shit work you don't want to do. <laughs> that, that's kind of what it sounded like. It was like yeah. the Klingons were just like, we can't be bothered. Yeah. Well, exactly. they were probably on their way. So they were doing something. Important. They said they got diverted from their original plan. Right. <laughs> yeah. To check out some debris. Some garbage. <laughs> I'd like to, they should have a spin on an uninhabitable planet. <laughs> they should have an episode that follows what the Klingons did that day. I would kind of want to know <laughs> what. Oh, that's an awesome idea. <laughs> that would be fun. I want an episode of what would have happened if the Klingons had beamed down to the Royale. Oh, yeah. Oh. Blam, 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 blam. They just yeah. start like shooting Basically. everybody in the casino. Well, I, at first I thought they would have made Mickey D an honorable uh, crew member, but then I realized they wouldn't uh, be happy with him shooting a guy in the back. No, so. totally. Yeah, they, they would have just shot everybody. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> if it was a hell for humans, it would be like triple hell for Klingons right. if they couldn't kill anything. <laughs> they had to hang out and just like roll dice all day or stay in your hotel Watch room. Unhonorable gangsters get away with stuff. While the yeah. assistant manager is kind of rude to you. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, yeah. Like, just disrespecting you left and right. Yeah. <laughs> Can we jump back before this? Um, uh-huh. The Netflix menu. <laughs> I didn't like that right off the bat they spoiled what we find later i mean it's the biggest hook i saw that i was like "Ooh, this is gonna be a fun episode i guess that is it was did sell the episode but I, yeah they do definitely spoil like a big reveal right there's a nasa uh reveal in the <laughs> just in the still frame of the netflix menu mm-hmm. well that's the funny thing about this whole beginning uh set of scenes that they can't figure out what this debris is and they keep calling it debris, debris. they can tell that there's markings on it i know <laughs> yeah. i'm like how do you tell that there's markings but right. you don't know what the fuck it is idiots <laughs> Come it's, on, O'Brien. <laughs> just bullshitting your way through this. Just zoom in. You know you have zooming it's powers. It's obviously a piece of a ship. You could tell that it's like a part of a ship. You could tell what kind of weapons hit it, but you can't tell what kind of debris it is. They were too busy. Well, like Pulaski was too busy to tell them to zoom on it. Like, <laughs> keep zooming. Keep zooming. Zoom 10 times, 100 times. Zoom in. Madame Pulaski is moving too fast for us to get a lock on it. <laughs> keep zooming. Zoom faster then. Do you, does, That's does how this, it works. Does this robot know what he's doing? <laughs> <laughs> so they're around this planet which uh if Jordy had to describe it in one word it would be nasty <laughs> okay settle there's down a there. lot of, there's a lot of sex stuff in this settle episode. down there miss jackson he is <laughs> if you had to describe it in two words it would be ammonia tornadoes <laughs> <laughs> no, those are two words that i can get behind yeah <laughs> ammonia tornadoes that's yeah. that had me intrigued yeah before they actually figure out what the debris is, he gets permission from Captain Picard mm-hmm. to beam it on board. But there's this really, really strange interlude <laughs> that Picard and Riker have in his office. When Pierre de Fermat died, they found this equation scrawled in the margin of his notes. X to the N plus Y to the N equals Z to the N, where N is greater than 2, which he said had no solution in whole numbers. But he also added this phrase remarkable proof 
Yeah, that's starting to come back to me. Sure there was no proof Riker. included. Mm-hmm. You just see Riker's eyes glazing over that whole scene. I wish he'd replied like, oh, yes, of course. X to the nth plus Y to the nth equals Z to the nth, where N is greater than 2. Greater than 2. <laughs> the hilarious thing is that Fermat's theorem has actually been solved. That's hilarious! And it was solved in 1994. Mm, a few years after this. Yeah, and so it only took us actually 358 years <laughs> to solve it, Picard, wow. not 800. Well, I also like that it was solved using modern mathematics. I didn't know technology and mathematics could advance. That was kind of weird. I think you're so smart. What's the answer? I, I didn't look that up. I, I, did, I did look up Vermette's theory, and I was very confused. It went over my head like an Iconian computer console. Oh, my God. Nice one. I mean, it is funny how dated something can become in just like... Four mm. years or th- six years. What mm-hmm. I did find actually hilarious is this is one of the few instances that they didn't try to retcon. They did, In yeah. Deep Space Nine, they made a point of saying, well, it was solved using modern mathematics. His original proof, they think, is still missing, and people are still trying to figure that one out. So thanks, Deep Space Nine, for getting Picard's back on this one. Wow. Because so many people were just like, that was like <laughs> well, a terrible faux pas you also, made in apparently TNG. the uh, the NASA logo was replaced between when this was filmed and uh, 2032, I think, is when it was supposed to launch. They didn't retcon that. Well, sure. But I, yeah, I, I don't quite understand what Fermat's theorem is because just the words remarkable proof is not him saying he had solved it, is it? Like... That's just two words put together. Right. I don't know. I vote that we can only devote five minutes of this per episode. We can only bring every episode. We bring up Fermat's theory. We only have five minutes to try to figure it out. No, it's just one of those scenes. It's one of those many scenes of like early in an episode where Riker walks in and Picard's doing something. And then they like talk about something seemingly unrelated. I do kind of feel like Picard is a man of many regrets. Like, I know he's a Starfleet captain, but it feels like at times he... He wishes he had become an archaeologist. He wishes he were a gumshoe private eye. He wishes he were a mathematician. I mean, they all, you know, center around his love of mysteries and solving things. But it's Oh, true. well, one of his later girlfriends in TNG, <laughs> you're like, oh, you really did want to be an archaeologist. Like, she's basically an Indiana Jones in the future. It's uh, pretty uh, rad. Cool. Yeah. Nice. I'm going to go back to the debris. So they could have just <laughs> drove up on it, put their little like visual scanners on it and seen that it said NASA. Well, I don't think they could have seen it. I mean, it would have been whizzing around the planet at hundreds of miles per hour. Oh, yeah, they can just match the speed with the debris. <laughs> and if even if it's turning, they get a picture of it. Marcy, I you mean... know that if a starship warps around a planet too fast, it goes back in time. Mm, sure. Oh, yeah, like We've Superman. seen that. <laughs> or they can just teleport a piece of it, a random piece that happens to have the words on anyway, it. Anyway, I mean... Very lucky that they got that piece. Yeah. Like, the was frayed, like, right around yeah. the edges of the word. Right. I'm being Cam this episode where I'm going to find flaws in every <laughs> little detail. But anyway. There's many to be found, for sure. So then they find what is, like, really mysterious and shocking. They discover a building on this planet floating on a on piece of floating methane ice. Frozen methane. In the middle of Tornado Alley. Yeah. <laughs> Ammonia Tornado Alley. In, in a bubble of breathable air. Picard rightfully says, well, that's a risk, but that is a mystery worth investigating. I think we can uh, risk a small away team. I agree, Picard. Oh, Wait. Every time, it's like their <laughs> highest ranking officers, literally your number two and three, and your chief security officer. Mm-hmm. Like, this would be a perfect time to send down Dexter Clay or Mr. Muscle Suit or some <laughs> other security officer, at least. But Yeah, let them get stuck in the <laughs> Casino Royale. <laughs> I mean, there's a high probability that everyone on this is going to die, and you're sending three of your top officers. You could say that about every episode. I know, of and course. I get it. It's a TV show. We want to see the main characters. Go. I think we but, need a phrase for when there's like... Questions that are just there so that the episode will be an episode. Like, right. just like I feel them. like even the original Star Trek, they send out like red shirts a lot. Like there's a lot of extras who went down on away teams. That's so we hardly true. ever get single single use away team members. That's true. true. It's true. It's something I hadn't noticed. So they beam down to the set of a first year film student who thinks he's David Lynch. Yeah, <laughs> it's so it's so bad. <laughs> Just the top third know, is kind green. of charming. Oh come on! Top third is just like a bad it's, like that's, that's fog, fog bad. filter. It's black with <laughs> some sweeping green effects above them and a revolving door. It's a really cool idea to be like in a bubble amidst like a Jupiter-like death storm. 
But yeah, I mean, if they had done it now, the effects could have been a very cool visual. As it is, it's it's pretty sad. So we've kind of referenced, but let's let's just clear the air for anyone who hasn't seen the episode. Is that this place has been a, a reconstruction for an astronaut based on a book that was in his spaceship that some aliens built this place? You already telling them? Well, well because I have a question for you guys yeah. while they're outside. Okay. Why does this place have an outside? Why does it have an entrance and a door? Why is it invisible to the naked eye? Good questions. No one is supposed to come outside of this place. It was entirely built for the astronaut to live on the inside. He's unable to leave. Maybe the aliens wanted the option to come back in, and the only way to get in is to make it look like it's still part of uh, whatever so it hologram. Was for the aliens. Yeah, maybe some of the constructs are aliens. <laughs> we don't know. I mean, it's kind of just like a loading zone. If they wanted to move other people in, they'd have to teleport them there first because they <laughs> but can't why teleport make it them. invisible. Wouldn't that be fucked if it was like all just the aliens? Like, we're cool with just reliving this life over and over again and watching you slowly die in a hell. (laughs) And then continue doing it while he's dead for hundreds of years. Lots of unanswered questions about these aliens and and how this whole thing works. I mean, yeah, there there could definitely be an answer to these questions, but we have no idea what it could be based on what we're given. So it's black. Mm-hmm. Shitty effects, green effects above them. I think supposed to be the ammonia the storm. storm. Ammonia tornadoes. You can identify the ammonia tornadoes, Marcy? <laughs> they look just like tornadoes. <laughs> Sweeping tornadoes above them. Uh, ammonia tornadoes. And they see what is an antique revolving yes. door. I honestly thought that visual was, <clears throat> it I mean, was okay. It's, the visual was cool, but I, I guess it's just like they still like they know... To call it an antique revolving door. I mean, and then, of course, Wesley also is like, when they went through the antique yeah. revolving door. <laughs> it repeats it. Yeah, it's strange. by the antique revolving door. I, I'll, but I'll admit, I mean, hands down, one of the problems with this episode is the budget. Like, it is way cheap. And for no good reason. Like, all they had to do was build one casino set. Like, yeah. the big goodbye looked ten times better than this. Well, they acted the place Texas. He doesn't come cheap, so. <laughs> But I will say, at this point, I was really hooked. I was like, why was there an Earth shuttle here? Why is there a weird antique revolving door in this black space? This is... I'm intrigued. I want to know what's on the other side of that door. I I wanted them to just open up and step out into the ammonia tornadoes and I'll die. (laughs) At this point is when I laid down into Andrew's lap and I started watching from a laying down position. Uh (laughs) (laughs) It's only a matter of time, ladies and gentlemen. Until she falls asleep, I don't, I yeah. don't want you to think I'm leaving yeah. anywhere dirty. Yeah. Nasty. Ooh, you, you should nasty. just have had that queued up for <laughs> you to say have. nasty like a thousand times. Yeah, when they were when the debris was flying around the planet and they wanted to get a visual, they should have just sent Jordy out into space to, to take a look at it. <laughs> this was, I was kind of thinking like, guys, spend some more time outside. You've never been this close to ammonia tornadoes before. You can get some amazing readings here. Yeah, but if they step outside, they will be immediately cryogenically frozen. Well, don't step outside the bubble. Stay inside the bubble. <laughs> I thought ammonia tornadoes just get you real clean <laughs> just clean you real good like a car wash all right we haven't even gotten to the okay, hotel guys so let's go inside the shitty casino sound <laughs> nah, stage. let's not let's stop here <laughs> <laughs> let's just stop the episode and uh this is going to be a busy episode for you mr imdb man uh-huh yep so let's get to our first guest star hey i recognize him as bernard from lost that's right Sam Anderson, who okay. has 167 credits to his name. I believe it. Uh, so many that I will just mention a few. Forrest Gump. He's okay. in Forrest Gump. Oh, is he the of. guy that fucks Sally Field? Ooh, maybe. <laughs> what an asshole. I remember. Yeah, you're right, he is. the principal. I think yep. you're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's also known for Airplane 2. Uh, the lesser of the two airplanes. He did all the regular, all the same TV shows that everybody did yeah. in the 80s, like Remington Steel and Magnum P.I. He was in the movie La Bamba, Critters 2. He was in the local Portland shot Nowhere Man. This was a, a series that was shot in Portland in the 90s that I remember auditioning for. He was in JAG. <laughs> Everybody's in JAG. You should only mention that. Like yeah. You're like, oh yeah, this guy was in JAG. Done. He yeah. was also in Angel. Uh, <gasps> in a lot of episodes of Angel. Oh. I really liked him in this episode. I thought he was great. He was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> he was fine. Well, I mean, he has to play like the bad stilted dialogue, the purposefully mm-hmm. bad stuff. But then just all his interactions with the crew, I thought, like, just had this, like, subtle, like, polite but condescending tone. What he means is, what planet is this? I beg your pardon. This planet, what do you call it? Earth. <laughs> Earth. What do you call it? <laughs> we call it Theta 8. 
Hot shot. <laughs> He's also just like subtly creepy the whole time. Like I thought he was playing a couple a couple different layers at once. Yeah, I mean, I think he's one of the better actors of the guest stars, mm-hmm. I guess. It's sort of funny how they bring the story, the book story plot in so heavy-handedly, like I'm just like what the fuck is going on? Oh, with on? the bellhop and with the bellhop, which goes nowhere. Yeah, like I mean, I guess it's there to illustrate that they're in a bad novel, but like at least tie it in with the plot somehow. Yeah, exactly. It sucks to be go to go the entire episode wondering why these stupid scenes are happening in front of our main, our <laughs> protagonists, like, and then finding out later that they're supposed to be stupid and bad, like. It just sucks you have to go for two-thirds of the episode before you find out they're intentionally stupid and bad. Right. Maybe. Oh, interestingly, uh, there is a movie that just came out on video called Bad Times at El Royale, which uh, doesn't Oh, yeah. Have any I saw the preview for that. Oh, yeah. Other than it's got Chris Hemsworth with a shirt on. <laughs> That's right. Nasty. <laughs> they should have named that movie Chris Hemsworth with a shirt on. That, yeah. Uh, more people have watched it. Yeah. Then. Yeah. It's so funny how they they objectify Chris Hemsworth in everything, mm-hmm. like Ghostbusters, like any movie that he isn't like Thor, and even Thor, he's kind of objectified. Oh, sure. I mean, there's a reason because he's fucking hot as shit. But like, wow, Chris, like you are the first male. I feel like that every male and female and Z person is just like. They want to fuck you, okay? <laughs> Whether they admit it or not, <laughs> they want to stick their naughty bits on your naughty bits. You ever watch The Good Place? Oh, has, yeah. And has that other Hemsworth brother that is that oh, plays, right. that plays the opposite. It? It's an it's an attractive Hemsworth, okay. uh, but he's the lesser known Hemsworth, but the joke is that he's like, thinks he's oh, hideous. Right. He's like, oh, oh, right. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I yeah, do yeah. remember He that. plays the opposite of most, Hems- of, like, most right. Hemsworth who are objectified. Is he an actual Hemsworth? He is an actual, no, I believe yeah, he's an actual Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah he's engaged to like... Um, What's her face? Yeah, the... Tahani. Tahani. I should know that name. Yeah, they are all very attractive, even like the one that's classically not supposed right, yeah. to be attractive. It's like, come on, he's guys. He's still a good looking guy. Yeah. Uh, Hemsworth was... interlude. <laughs> You're welcome. This has been Hemsworth Minute. <laughs> our side our side podcast. <laughs> spin-off. Our podcast it's spin-off. our midweek episode. <laughs> our our one-minute side podcast. Um, There's a Hemsworth in a Star Trek movie, so we're, that's true. we're fine. It ties in perfectly. <laughs> and this is where we learn we also meet the bellboy. He's played by Leo Garcia. Okay. Uh, his, in his bio, we find that he produced an independent psychological thriller called Excess Flesh. Ooh. But he also produced Nasty. A, a documentary called 10 Minutes is Two Hours, a short-form documentary uh, shot in South Sudan. And Garcia is a filmmaker, producer, actor, and an award-winning playwright and has served as Highways Performance Space's artistic director, where he's done over 700 performance works. But still, if you go to his IMDb, <laughs> the picture they use for his headshot is a... Card game for Star Trek: The Next Generation, and it's his picture from the bell from as the bellboy. I don't know what I'm more surprised by. By that's his headshot on IMDb, or that his character has a card in the Star Trek card game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what is he like? He just gets killed. What's his he's... special power? Okay, here's the thing. He's the bellboy. He's a civilian. It's got a little picture of him from the from the show. <laughs> he's not a civilian. He is. He is an alien construct. He, well, in this in this he's game, he's an artificial intelligence at best. Employee of the Royal Royal Casino, occasionally <laughs> served as a waiter, romantically involved with Rita. So apparently, Rita also has a card. Who I think. we never meet. We also know that if this you place this out of play, if Mickey D is present, <laughs> so there's a Mickey D card in this game. This is not real. And it doubles doubles points of Royal Casino dilemmas where present, greed and honor. Those are the two. Oh. Yeah. So there's there's a whole like in, part of this game is happens in the Royal, I guess. So or you can. Wow. Yeah. So do yourself a favor, go to IMDb and check out uh, <laughs> Leo our Garcia. friend Leo Garcia. Well, they're walking around and they're trying to figure stuff out later. And none of the characters that aren't the main characters are responding to any of their Well, that's a little questions. bit later. But yeah, yeah, it's strange. At first, like they talk to everyone. And then when they want some answers later, no one will talk to them. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm. So these are the non-player characters mm-hmm. that... Don't have any dialogue, and so they're just like sitting there. They're pulling the <laughs> the slot machine. Uh-huh. They're just playing games and not responding. I mean, obviously, if they, at this point, they definitely should have figured out something was wrong. Nope. And <laughs> well, also, they know something. They, they I mean, kind of, but they're just like eh. Riker's loving it though. He's just loving everything at this first part. In yeah. fact, Troy later says he's amused. He's amused. Guys, is it weird that Troy can feel feelings down on a planet? 
It is weird. In she feels so far like other ships. Tornadoes. She does ship to ship, which is also weird. It, it is, is weird. It's weird. really far apart. So what if she could like feel feelings from like a galaxy away? Maybe she has a special link to Riker because maybe she has Cerebro in the bottom link, of you know. the Enterprise, <laughs> <laughs> hooked up to those dilithium crystals. <laughs> Uh, but That's true. They do have a special link because he's her Imzadi. Oh, Data has a meet cute with his. <laughs> That's not a nasty moment. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Data has a meet cute with someone he's going to uh, buddy up with later. Take this creature for example. He does not exhibit any DNA structure. Excuse me, son. Look who's talking. And you sound just like my ex-wife. That's dumb. <laughs> Um, You've never, like, your wife has never told you you exhibit no DNA patterns, Rob? That's just a, a weird... Yeah, that's just like, oh, my ex-wife, she's never get a, I hate women. He's like, from Texas, Rob. You mean the real villain of this uh, <laughs> whole episode? I, he is definitely on a roller coaster of like, is he a villain? Is he a nice guy? His story is, seems like it was rewritten in the middle of it. Definitely. Hey, little lady, let me tell you how to play your cards. Oh, no, you did it wrong. And I'm like, first of all, they're playing her super ditzy. I mean, I know it's supposed to be a bad Dime Store novel. But still, like, just his whole persona. And then he's basically trying to get her to lose because she's an heiress. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, you got me to hate him. Well, yeah, he's kind of charming the first scene. And then the second scene, it's like he is definitely trying to manipulate her into losing her money. he's a gross molester. So she'll sleep with him, yeah. Well, but they say at some point in the the point of the novel is Mm -hmm. that there's some side plot about an heiress who is going to murder her husband. Who's conspiring? I assumed that this book was they were talking about her conspiring with the Texas guy, yeah, to cons- I, to like murder her husband. But that seems like that's not what they're doing. At I all. totally missed that the first time I watched it, and the second time I was like, "Whoa, that colors this character completely different." That he's yeah. conspiring to murder her husband. Yeah, but as you say, yeah, like she never talks about her husband when she's on screen, right? And then like helping it definitely her lose- feels like the rewrite or didn't realize that was supposed to be about them, right? And like like helping her lose her money isn't going to help that and then later he loses his money so like because he's losing it craps when data's mm-hmm. playing like i don't know i can't figure out his motivation at all he's also sucks <laughs> at gambling and he's like he's losing her money and then he's losing his money and then what i don't i don't, I don't understand what. <laughs> that by the way is actor know. noble willingham yeah so i saw he had a special special credit what's his claim to fame uh more than 30 feature films including up close and personal ace ventura pet detective oh okay uh, yeah. chinatown good morning vietnam city slickers and oh, the sequel. City Slickers. I like that movie. Uh, he was born in Texas, so this is accurate. Uh, yeah, he was in The Last Picture Show and Paper Moon and many, many other things. Thank you, Noble Willingham, for your fine portrayal of this terrible, terrible character. That's right. We see Data play some blackjack with him. He gets to wear a funny hat. Uh, but soon, Drecker <laughs> comes over and says, It's time to leave, guys. Let's get out of here. And can they leave? No. Nope. <laughs> nope. And I don't know how I feel about this effect or absolute lack of effect they use so they walk out going through the revolving door antique revolving door please marcy (laughs) let's not forget that qualifier i have a plus up for that effect (laughs) he just goes through and comes back to the other end now on one hand i absolutely got what they were going for oh he couldn't get out like it just brought him back here on the other hand, there had to be a more interesting way to show that. Simply him leaving and immediately coming back in, not doing the full rotation, like as he exits. Yeah, there's cheap ways to do it. Yeah, as yeah. he, it would have been better if as he exited, his body that was would have been like cool. that would have been cool. The three of them wouldn't have been able to leave at once, but uh, like maybe one of them just tries it and like ends up instead yeah. of going all the way around because you know he sees something on the other side of that wall. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it would have been better. I wish he just walked out into an ammonia storm. Uh, tornado, sorry. <laughs> and so Worf's answer to this is just blasting everything with his phaser. He gets so excited when Riker lets him shoot a wall. And then later, he even says... Phasers are totally ineffective on all surfaces. All surfaces, Worf? <laughs> even human flesh? Did you try? <laughs> like you mentioned it earlier, I, I definitely wanted to see him go up to one of those like slots, pull an old biddies, and just start blasting her in the face. And <laughs> she doesn't react at all. And he's just getting more he and more frustrated. Those old ladies. <laughs> I just I wouldn't mind watching him shoot his phaser at all the surfaces. Yeah. <laughs> like, around the entire room. Just everything. Just blasting Linens, every surface. <laughs> brick. Nothing. Did we skip a scene where they're back on the Enterprise? I have a bunch of yeah, notes. Yeah, meanwhile, back on the Enterprise. There's so many scenes where they stare at computers. Whenever they're on <laughs> yeah. the Enterprise, they're, they're in front of a computer, and I'm like, wow, this is like a third of this episode. Yeah, and Jordy is, says. Is there an intelligence causing this interference? 
Mm. Uh, that's impossible to tell, Captain. It's like eight times he tells Picard in this episode. It's impossible to tell. Which, like, I appreciate that in these episodes, Jordy seems to be the only one willing to say, I don't know, which sure. is an important thing to admit. But at the same time, I'm like, well, what do you fucking know, Jordy? <laughs> you're like the only one that knows anything about engineering next to Wesley. And you're like, oh, it's impossible to tell. Well, yeah. I don't know, Captain. He either doesn't know or he has a solution that involves killing everybody. Usually, like, <laughs> like oh, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, we could send them out into the ammonia tornado cloud and they could be cryogenically frozen and maybe they'd live. Theoretically, yeah. (laughs) Those are some fairly aggressive computations, Lieutenant. I'm comparing the molecular integrity of that bubble against our phasers. It's penetration possible. (laughs) So much aggressive penetration going on. Marcy, I feel like I'm rubbing off on you in a bad way. I did not even notice that line. <laughs> well, that's like, so I fell asleep at 12 minutes the first time I watched this, so I had to watch it again. And, like, that's pretty much the only thing that entertained me was that, like, scene where I was like, oh, he's an aggressive. Oh, and penetration was in the same sense. <laughs> yeah, I definitely noticed whenever the word penetration is said. And I don't even like sex jokes. I just uh, like fair. the word penetration. It's funny. Shortly after that, they're back on the planet and the. Uh, Texas says something else that's a weird, like, non sequitur. He says, make them nice because ain't no bread in the house. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't notice that. I uh, didn't understand. Like, I don't understand any. Yeah. His, like, <laughs> it's just a Texas his thing. His colloquialisms don't make much sense. <laughs> he is a badly written character. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is where we meet uh, Texas's lady, right? It, Does she have a name? Good question. Or she just lady. That is Jill Jacobson. She's in Splash as Jill, the girl in the bar. Oh, oh. Jill, the girl in the bar. <laughs> but uncredited, apparently. Oh, her name is Vanessa in this. Okay. Uh, she was in A Quantum Leap. She was in Party Down. Oh. As Vivian. Thank you very much, Jill Jacobson, for your fine work. That's right. In this episode, Blowing on Dice. So the Mickey D plot is continuing, and uh, this is where we learn that the assistant manager is the most laid-back and relaxed manager since Michael Scott. Because not only does he see his employee pocket a handgun, <laughs> but the said employee vows to use said handgun against a customer of theirs. And the manager's like, eh, you shouldn't do that. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I true. do like this. Is this when... I'm a little out of sorts. Is this when War <laughs> shoots the wall? Or has he already shot the wall? He's shot the wall. Okay, because I thought it was really funny that he moved... A, like, if he's going to just shoot a wall, I don't know why he chose the one behind a <laughs> It was a really machine. weird moment. Like, he, he pulls away a specific <laughs> slot machine and then just starts pushing on this little alcove. Yeah. Like, like, there's nothing about this alcove to make him think that this would be a p- spot to push. Yeah, it was a strange choice. And then he starts blasting the walls. With <laughs> so then, I think... They start scanning, or data starts scanning, At right? some point, data picks up some human DNA, DNA. above them. Yeah. And uh, so they take the elevator up. Warp. They call it a turbo lift. <laughs> yeah. Like, Worf calls it a turbo lift. Worf's yes. like, oh, this button opens the door. You have to push a button every day to open up your dresser, you fucking <laughs> idiot. And also, if you blasted every surface of this ship, you didn't realize there were other floors above? Like, <laughs> like I don't well, know. Well, they were given keys to their rooms, like, first thing. I was wondering why it took them so long. Just like, yeah, check the rest of the hotel. Yeah, maybe go to the roof of this hotel and, like... But so, yeah, Jump Marcy, up. like... Jump up. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, for anyone who didn't see it, like, yeah, Worf walks up and doesn't realize there's a button for the elevator. Yeah. He, he thinks it's broken because it's not opening. Might I say, the second time this has happened to him with an old door, this <laughs> happened when they went on the cryogenic <laughs> ship. And I just feel like with the amount of times that these ships go back in time in Starfleet, it happens a lot. Let's be honest. It should be old hat. Okay? Like, 21st century life skills needs to be a class in Starfleet. You're right. They need classes to learn what an elevator is, what a splint is. Uh, there's all kinds of ancient uh, revolving. I guess they, they know revolving doors. So. But I'm sorry. You are absolutely right, Mars. I forgot that they push buttons to open fucking drawers, which yeah. is completely unnecessary. It's not like they don't also go to primitive planets to study primitive yeah. creatures. So you have to know how those items work when you go to a primitive planet. So sorry. I mean, I guess an elevator sort of looks like a turbo lift, so it might be confusing. I guess. It was a cute little moment. It was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I fall right in the middle. I think it was sort of dumb. <laughs> it was cute in a dumb way. Yeah, there you uh, go. So they go up and they go inside a, a, a hotel room. And they find a dead skeleton, as opposed to a live skeleton, <laughs> lying in bed. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> 
And uh, I, I do, this is a good joke when they say, oh, he must have died in his sleep. And then just kind of in the back off, you know, it's not like a featured line or anything. Worf goes, what a terrible way to die. <laughs> I love that. That was a good moment. That's pretty good. Yeah. This man's been dead for 283 years, according to the readouts. <sighs> yep. Well preserved because this environment is... Sterile. Sterile. Sure, I buy that. Sterile enough to read a Star Trek magazine uh, <laughs> without getting your fingerprints on it. That's yeah. right. <laughs> you can only purchase this if you're going to take it to the Hotel Royale. <laughs> <laughs> you should have told him. Like, no, I'm taking this. <laughs> to, oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to read it next to us. A dead skeleton. <laughs> Uh, so they search around the room, and uh, Worf finds some books in the bedside table. And I thought for sure at first he had found some Bibles, and like shit was about to get heavy and religious here. But that's not what he found. <laughs> no, the novel, the Royale. And what was the second thing? I... A journal with one entry in oh, it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> journal entry, like the last week's uh, captain's log that also gave the exposition. This is the ex- exposition vehicle. Presuming that the novel we had on board the shuttle about the Hotel Royale was in fact a guide to our preferred lifestyle and social habits. Obviously, they thought this was the world from which I came. I hold no malice toward my benefactors. They could not possibly know the hell that they have put me through. For it was such a badly written book, filled with endless cliché and shallow characters. I shall welcome death when it comes. You and me both, Riker. Boom! All that set up for that. Ah, I'm loving all this. I thought this was super cool. The story of the alien just doesn't make So I love the idea of like clumsy ass aliens with good intentions doing stupid shit. Like, because that's what we are all the time. Exactly. This is basically the equivalent of like some kid who stepped on a turtle and felt bad. So he took him back and like built a little aquarium or terrarium, made it look like his his little backyard, and then forgot that he was there and like moved away to New Jersey or something (laughs) and left the turtle there. Uh, yeah, like they basically made this aquarium for this astronaut and uh, they built it on this book. And I, this is what I love. This is like a whole subgenre in itself, right? People getting stuck inside fictional worlds in movies or books or whatever. And usually it's good stories, or at least they're presented as good stories. So I thought it was kind of fun that they were stuck in a shitty book. And like later, Picard, it's like maybe the answers are in the story, but it's a bad story that I'm going to have to <laughs> slug through. I thought that was all fun. I still don't understand how the ship got out as far. I guess so they destroyed the ship, the NASA ship, and then they brought it all the way out here. They brought the remains of it. Like It's like Fermat's theory. It's all a mystery. We may Fermat. never unravel. <laughs> My biggest problem, though, is that he waited 38 years to write this one entry. <laughs> what has he been doing for 38 years? I mean, I get it. I currently have journals that I started in high school and only made it like one or two entries in. But I wasn't stuck in a Groundhog Day like hell. Right. He waited 38 years, wrote this one entry. I mean, he maybe, perhaps he was on his deathbed and he decided to write it as a last thing. But I imagine him living us for 38 years and then setting his drawer and then he goes on for 15 more. Yeah, I want like scribbles all over the walls. How does he even know it's 15 years? How is he telling time? We need hash marks on the wall or something. We need like crazy, crazy person writing. Yeah. Well, he has no, maybe the pencils don't work there. It's the, <laughs> nothing works there. <laughs> or it cleans up automatically at the end of each day, it resets. So uh, what, what's the last book you guys read? And if you were to be trapped in it, what would your life be like? The last book I read, I think, was Ready Player One, because I don't read very many books. Oh, I was going to use that as like an example of when I might want to live in. Yeah, that'd be yeah, to really? choose. Gross. I mean, <laughs> if I didn't have to live in the stacks, but I mean, being able to play in the Oasis all day seemed pretty cool. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, well, the other question is like, where would you want to be? And you ask that question as well. Mm-hmm. And I think I would love to be in the Dragon Riders of Pern universe. Ooh, gonna ride a dragon? Um, I never did read those. I had a bunch of them in high school, but like my failed journal entries, I never got around to them. No, it's a great world. And one of the things that I realized after thinking about it, I was like, why haven't those been made into movies or a television show? Because mm-hmm. they're they're great books. I'd probably end up being the person that like burns the thread or something not a dragon rider but i would love to be a dragon rider anyway it turns out that the reason she wrote it there's no war in it and there's no religion and she she grew up in world war ii so so she didn't want to have any war in her books and she had terrible experiences with the catholic church so she didn't put any Mm. religion in it people were always like like very boring books they're not boring what do they do it's about survival arousing some songs and there's there's human elements of conflict but it doesn't have to be war you know 
So just, how about you, Cam? Um, well, currently I'm reading uh, Wizard and Glass, which is uh, part of Stephen King's Dark Tower trilogy. And actually, this one would be okay because I'd get to live in like a nice, uh, you know, rural seaside village in the summer. I get, to, I mean, I'm assuming if it were like this setup, like I'd just be in the background. So I'd get to watch all the weird drama going on <laughs> with like these gunslingers fighting each other and girls getting burned. That would be the last day, I guess, and then it would reset. But uh, it would be okay. I mean, the lack of indoor plumbing would suck, and I'd probably have to get, like, a manual labor job to survive. But if it were, like, Groundhog Day, I'd probably eventually figure out where all the gold is and just be able to steal it. So Wizard in Glass, I can't believe you're reading that again. (laughs) Now, when I was reading the Dark Tower series, Uh I'd get to Wizard in Glass, and I'd be so annoyed that it stops Mm -hmm. the rest of the series. And so it took me three times reading the first three to just say, stop reading the first three and just start with Wizard and Glass. And I uh, did. And I was like, okay, this is good. I'm it is a reading. weird experience because, like, yeah, at first I was like, I, no, go back with the people I've been reading three books about. Yeah. And then you get really invested in it. And then it cuts back to the three. And you're like, shut up. Get back to this I know, love story right? that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Have you read that series? I never learned to read. So. <laughs> Ratings so you really pussies. just watch Ray Player One. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had some interesting answers from other people who uh, responded. Someone uh, had recently read Game of Thrones and said their life would probably be pretty terrible. And I thought about, yeah, there's really no section of society that gets out well in Game of Thrones. No. A couple people wanted to live in The Expanse. And just based on the first season that I watched, it does not look like a pleasant universe. But I don't know. Apparently, a couple people would choose to live there if they could. A film friend of mine had recently read A Star is Born, the Judy Garland story. And I was like, yeah, that would be, I mean, I'd be down with like living in the golden age of Hollywood, just hanging out on sets all day. Uh, Sort of similar, someone had just read the Obama memoir, The World as It Is, and said life for him would be endless Benghazi hearings, but he'd get to meet the Pope and travel to Cuba. (laughs) And thank God it's not like Art of the Deal instead. Would you like to live that book? (laughs) uh... That would be tough. And then probably the winner, though, was my wife Millie had just read Molokai, which is about the leper colony in Hawaii. (laughs) So not a a terrible place to live and to be trapped in. Yeah. (laughs) No, terrible. Not a terribly nice place to live. (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) So to carry on with this uh, novel theme that we've been having, I put together a little segment for you guys, and it's a little choose your own adventure. Um, mm. Star Trek style. <laughs> Wesley's conundrum. <laughs> and I'm going to read the segments and then I'll give you guys the choices and you get to read out the choices and decide together which choice Wesley is oh. going to make. Okay. I'm just going to split this <laughs> podcast down the middle. Mm-hmm. Wesley awakens at 0700, dons his gray standard acting ensign unitard and considers himself in the mirror he has a standing appointment with Worf in the holodeck for calisthenics in about 15 minutes and considers whether he has time to rub one out before the appointment (laughs) probably not just as he's about to leave wesley hears a chime indicating that he has received a message on his computer so cam you can read your option and rob you can read yours a wesley checks his message or b wesley arrives on time to his appointment with Worf. I'm thinking, since we know what calisthenics with Worf are like, I don't know if Wesley would handle it very well. I think he should check his message. Uh, well, I mean, I'd like to see him uh, fail at calisthenics <laughs> with Worf, so I'd like him to be- arrive on time to his appointment. Okay, fair. We'll watch him arrive on time. All right. <laughs> Worf is as taciturn as usual, but seems happy that Wesley made it on time. He begins putting Wesley through his paces, showing Wesley variations of Klingon martial arts. A hologram appears before Wesley, and it is the visage of Celia's monster form. Wesley had been prepared to perform a swift two-handed punch to his opponent and finds himself hesitating. Uh Instead, the large Yeti-like monster strikes Wesley, tossing him to the ground. Uh Here are your options. Wesley charges the monster, delivering a swift double punch to its solar plexus. Or, Wesley can only see the human face of Celia while looking at the monster and cancels the hologram. I think I'm going to have to go with yours again, Rob. Fine with me. Worf is disappointed in Wesley's performance and states, Even in the face of a familiar adversary, sometimes we must make the hard choice to fight. (laughs) Worf tells Wesley to leave and contemplate this Klingon proverb. 
Wesley decides to head to 10 forward. He doesn't really agree that attacking Celia was the right decision. It's just the Klingon right decision. <laughs> he orders a chocolate dessert in remembrance of Celia, and just as he takes a bite, red alert sounds, mm-hmm. and the lights in 10 forward blink out. Wesley glances over at Guinan standing behind the bar, and in the dim emergency lighting, he sees the ghastly silhouette of a four-foot-tall, green reptilian creature with wide pointed ears he hears a chuckle and Guinan is hit over the head with a serving tray and collapses the creature leaps off the bar rips open a jeffrey's tube access door and scurries through a jeffrey's tube access door yeah that's the name of like their maintenance tubes okay you don't know about the jeffrey's tubes (laughs) hi i'm more green than i thought still there's so much to learn you're fired from the podcast but this is my fired from a job nope Replacing you. Wesley's goes through the Jeffrey's tube after the creature. Or J. Wesley tends to Guinan. Mm. Go after that creature. It's not what Wesley would do, but you I want to see. So? <laughs> it's not what he would do at all. I want to know what happens between Wesley and Guinan. Yeah, but the uh, the action's in the Jeffrey's tube. All right. Jeffrey's tube it is. We should let it, the podcast listener like skip ahead. You should record <laughs> all of them. Like, skip ahead tw- uh, two. That uh, would be kind of fun. I could the 30 seconds. I did write twice. a whole bunch of funny stuff <laughs> that you're kind of skipping. Okay. He knows because the traveler always said he should trust his instincts that whatever hit Guinan has something to do with the red alert. Mm. He grabs a flashlight and a phaser from the emergency access panel nearby. It's not too hard for a boy genius to memorize Worf's four-digit all-access passcode to the the phaser banks. (laughs) One, two, three, four. (laughs) (laughs) As Wesley crawls up a ladder following the sound of skittering, he looks up and the reptilian creature is waiting above him, waving two phasers on a sustained burst. (sighs) Then he hears a trilling sound in the Jeffrey's tube to his right. A small, fuzzy, brown and white creature with pointed ears hurriedly waves at Wesley, calling him over. Hmm. Hmm. These are your options. Well, either K, Wesley pulls his phaser and kills the reptilian creature. Or L, Wesley quickly jumps into the Jeffrey's tube and joins the fuzzy cute one. I'll let you choose this one. Oh, fuzzy I, cute one or... I want to know more about the fuzzy cute one. Sure, I do too. All right. <laughs> you chose poorly. <laughs> Wesley just barely makes it into the Jeffrey's tube with the cute alien before the phaser's fall by him. He would have surely been chopped to pieces if he had stayed on the ladder. Nice. The cute creature looks afraid, but gestures for Wesley to follow him. It appears that the small creature is leading him to engineering. Wesley vaguely remembers Jordy saying he had acquired a pet that looked much like this one at a backwater planet on his last holiday. (laughs) Apparently, Jordy can't tell a sentient being from a pet. Jordy just enslaved something? (laughs) Yeah. They enter engineering on the upper level, and when Wesley looks down, he sees chaos. Several of the reptilian creatures appear to be devastating engineering. Oh, no! Constals have been destroyed, engineers have been tied up, beaten, poked, and prodded, (laughs) and a couple of the beasts look like they are actually accessing the ship's computers. A particularly mean-looking creature with a white stripe seems to be the leader. No. The cute creature tries to get Wesley's attention and is pointing at something. But in that moment, Wesley sees his friend and mentor, Jordy, tied up in the corner in a nearby reptilian four-foot creature wearing his visor. Where are they going to find sunlight on a starship? <laughs> and is there an after midnight that they can be fed? Or is there <laughs> oh, good question. <laughs> Wesley can't leave Jordy to be tormented and fires his phaser at the gremlin leader. Huh? Oh, or N, right Wesley... N, Wesley pays heed to the little mogwai and accesses the computer. Hmm. I mean, it seems wise to listen to a mogwai. Yeah. Wesley puts the mogwai on his shoulder and accesses the computer. The mogwai points at the gremlins and the computer. Wesley types in a description of the creatures. A brief excerpt indicates that an ancient data capturing device was found intact even surviving the mid-21st century post-atomic <laughs> horror, which describes the very same creatures coming to Earth and wreaking havoc. Oh. These gremlins have a weakness. Wesley quickly reroutes all remaining power to the lights and increases the UV output. Oh, when the boy. lights turn on, the gremlins cry out in pain and begin to disintegrate. But in doing so, he also injured the mogwai. Oh. It is also allergic to sunlight. He covers the creature with his body, protecting it until a medical team arrives. Will the Mogwai live? 
Find out in the next Star Trek <laughs> Choose Your Own Adventure. Yay. Quick, Wesley, feed him to make him feel better. <laughs> Yay. So you guys are good at picking the exact track to win. Choose your own adventure. We won. Because Wesley died so many times, (laughs) and Wesley blew up the ship so many times. I'd say maybe we're bad at choosing your own adventure. Yeah, I feel like when I used to read them, I used to always die. (laughs) You are dead. Well done, Marcy. That was a lot of work. Thank you. It was fun. It was fun. That's very good. When did you figure out that it was Gremlins? The white stripe. Stripe. Yeah. Ah. Uh, just one last question about the the aliens who built this. Do they not have fiction where they come from? Because they thought this book was a, a guide to living on Earth, and it's like, really, you don't, you guys don't have novels. They okay. might be like the aliens from Galaxy Quest, where they don't like lying. They don't, oh, like, yeah. they don't like fiction, or yeah. True. <laughs> I mean, I guess also if it was the only book, they might just be like, well, this is the closest we got. This, they actually could be the aliens from Galaxy Quest. Let me picture <laughs> we that. We don't know. I mean, because we know nothing about them. Yeah. They, Except that they don't like fiction. I guess I it is annoying that they meet these really highly advanced technological races that can't use a translator and can't <laughs> talk to the astronaut and determine what would be best for him instead of the other way around. I guess they could see him as so inferior that they're putting him in a zoo like you were saying, mm-hmm. but... So they're trying to get them out of this uh, building up on the Enterprise. They're trying a couple different ways. We talked about, you know, they might cut a hole through the plasma Mm -hmm. and uh, beam them out after they've been cryogenically frozen. And Mm -hmm. I do love this. The cryogenic process would be nearly instantaneous. But I assume you could revive us. Yes. In theory. You must understand, number one. We'll wait here for months if necessary if we're just considering options. <laughs> I just love Picard there. It's just, I don't know what we're going to do. We're just spitballing out loud. I, I don't know. I mean, we could... We'll, we'll just fly in there. We'll warp through the planet and try to pick you up on the desk, okay? We're here for weeks if we have to. Months? But the first idea we come up with, like, murders you. <laughs> and Riker's like... We are not being cryogenically frozen. <laughs> yeah, you fuckers, get out! I am start not trusting Pulaski on this. <laughs> Some of Patrick Stewart's expressions in this are like so choice. I love Patrick Stewart in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I think he's I think he's doing great stuff. I mean, just that even that we're just coming up with ideas. He saves Star Trek: The Next Generation for <laughs> so these many times. Second series. Uh-huh. I mean, I, the second season. I mean, I mean, it's just like. Any of the bad episodes, if you just watch <laughs> The Captain, you're like, okay, I guess I can still like this show, you I, know? I, I, I like a lot of what's going on in the casino, too, with Riker and Data. There's and Worf. Yeah. They're all, they're all fun. Even, like, the, coming up when room service calls. Like, I love that scene because they're just all, like, so serious about what oh, to yeah. say to this room service person. <laughs> that is right? funny. Yeah, it was cute. So this is where Picard's like, you know what? The only way to save these guys is in the pages of this book. <laughs> Thankfully, the Starship uh, Enterprise in its databanks has the shitty 21st century novel, The Royale. And Picard opens it up. And this is probably my favorite moment of the episode. Ah. It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> it's not a promising beginning make it better now his sigh said it all they didn't need those lines afterwards yeah. right his sigh was the single best part of this episode which yeah. was like oh god i've got to read a <laughs> shitty book i mean i had that same sigh 15 <laughs> times before finding out it was that the episode was supposed to be a shitty novel oh, I, shared, I shared his sentiment and this is where we come back to uh, uh the blackjack table with texas and we learn that texas is kind of a huge douchebag who's trying to manipulate a woman into his bed yep pretty much misogynist all the way gets way up in her space she's obviously not digging it but she feels like she needs his information so she's kind of letting him be there by not like confronting him Mm -hmm. it's like all the creepy gross things you imagine a me too molester man would do i thought you were supposed to hit when you have 15 and a dealer showing a 10 you I are. always do. He did, yeah, he didn't badly advise her in that first one, which is strange. <laughs> so yeah. Data was wrong. Data was wrong. That's right. one of the things that they talk about is like Data gives her advice and then, and then it's gets... actually the wrong advice <laughs> right. that Data gave And then he gave hits her. way more times than, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I also, I, I kept wanting a, one of the side characters to come up and ask the crew if they were room service, the cleaning crew, just because they looked like they were carrying dust busters around their hmm. phasers hmm. on their belts. Every time I saw them, I was like, why do you have a vacuum? Oh, the phaser. That's right. Dustbusters. They do look like dustbusters. 
And finally, after all this talk, the man himself shows up, Don Trump Jr. Oh, no, no, it's Mickey D. Mickey D. But he looks just like Donald Trump Jr. Uh, that's, wow. Hey, I wanted to mention earlier that Mickey D is a dumb name, especially because <laughs> the, you know, the short shorthand for McDonald's, the restaurant. Oh, I didn't even think. Like Mickey D's. <laughs> I kept thinking Mickey Dolan's from the Monkees, oh, and sure. I had no idea why I was making that connection. Wow. I don't think I've eaten at McDonald's for 20 years, so I don't Ooh. even think about it. Congratulations. I do think that it is a cool scene, though, when we cut back to uh, Picard and Troy, and they've started listening to the audiobook, apparently. That's going right along with the character. <laughs> that sounds exactly like the character's talking. I, I, I thought that was cute. I, thought. I assumed he was listening in through their, tele- through their communicators, mm-hmm. yeah. That's what I thought at first, but, but then you find out that they weren't because Riker calls up and doesn't know that they were on. I mean, well, I unless he had, like, I think they're monitoring the... No, I think he's just supposed to be listening to the audio book. That can't be true. Yep, that would be, no, that would be the du- the dumbest thing. No, it's not. It's cute. Episode. I liked it. That there's a book on tape that was recorded with the same voices. That Maybe the, he just used uh, well, like, I mean, the, just the voice device. to text, yeah. like text to voice. <laughs> no, he had to be listening in on, because it was happening simultaneously to what was yeah, happening Yeah, I think the they were doing transitions. It's a filmic device, Rob. No, You're a that's, filmmaker. No, that's that's why it's, no, because, of, <laughs> because I'm a filmmaker is why I don't think that's the case. Unless they were like, I mean, that, that would... Be gross incompetence on the writer's part. <laughs> like, no, we had no, to be listening it's, into it's the thing. It's poetic license. Because she leaves pretending, like, she's like, oh man, I can't listen to this novel anymore and walks well, out. Well, she can't listen to the novel that is being acted out on the planet. Yeah. They're listening to what is happening on the planet. <laughs> no, 100%. Is, Rob is getting because desperate right, right now. I'm certain. <laughs> you're, telling me, you're telling me that the writers are like, Okay, they're listening to a book on tape that was recorded with the same voices that the aliens hired to act as their... This this is what happened, Rob. We cut back to the starship where Riker and Troy are listening to book on tape, but we're, the audience, are still hearing the audio from the planet. That makes zero sense. It's just lined up, but we're hearing the audio. Somebody please weigh in on Facebook with me. (laughs) That makes no sense to me. That we're hearing what's happening on the planet? Sure. I thought it was dumb, but I think the intention was that we're supposed to think he's Because then afterwards, Riker it. calls up, and then he says, this is just what happened. It's happening simultaneously. <laughs> yes. As he, he's just listening to the, they're just monitoring the planet. That's like, the simplest. It's, that's it's the not, Occam's Razor here. <laughs> that's the Occam's Razor. They must no be just listening in. Go I'm, back and rewatch it. I watched it twice. <laughs> that's all. I'm, and I, and I, I had refused my head, to watch it again. I was again. sitting upright. I wasn't laying my head in my boyfriend's lap. <laughs> All right, I'm over it. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, yes, and the episode falls apart now. As, as Now? As the podcast falls apart, the yeah. episode is also falling apart. Because this is where it all comes crashing down for me. Riker suddenly watches all this and watches Mickey D leave the casino after shooting uh, the bellboy in the back. backwards through the revolving door. Mm-hmm. And Riker's got an idea. Uh, now, because Picard tells him that there are foreign investors who buy the casino, that's how it ends, and then they just leave. <laughs> so Riker's like, well, if we're the foreign investors, we can just leave. <laughs> Which seems like a huge leap to make. I mean, you might as well just start killing people and then you can leave. <laughs> or just wait till the story's over and then you might be able to leave. Well, we know the astronaut probably saw the story end many times and never got to yeah, that's, leave. That's true. That, but, I mean, he might have been able to walk outside into the bubble and he didn't have anyone to teleport him away. Sure. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a weird thing. So then they decide to become the investors, but we never see the real quote unquote investors within the story. Like right. I kept expecting that to be a conflict, like, or at least a joke that they show up at the end, but that's only half the problem because the other half is we have already set up that data likes blackjack and can count cards at blackjack and blackjack. If you go to Vegas and want to make money consistently, there's one game you can learn to count cards at and make a lot of money. And that's Blackjack. Right. We've seen it in Rain Man. We've seen it in The Hangover. We've seen it in the movie 21, which is based on a real story of people going to Vegas and making money playing Blackjack. <laughs> what does he play? Craps. I, I don't know that much about craps, but I looked it up. It's all luck. There's no way to consistently make money at craps. Unless you can reload the dice in your hand by squeezing <laughs> it and loading it. in. Like Apparently there are people that think you can learn to throw dice uh, to get an outcome you want, which seems crazy. And most people say like... You can sort of get better than some people, but you'll never be able to do it consistently. Unless you're Data. I could buy that maybe Data could, but that's not what they say he does. No, they did not sell that. He talks about knowing odds, which does not help you. Right. Well, also, he says, why would I I count cards even when he's talking to them in Blackjack? We know you count cards because you do it at poker. (laughs) I mean, that's true. I think it's just the term counting cards doesn't make sense to him. He doesn't know what that what the term well, applies to whatever. he just knows because he was like well the cards you know, are only worth the number that's on them like he like yeah yeah he was just like 
Whatever. The, the, truth, <laughs> the values are determined. It's about Oh, you're asking me to cut the cards. Come on, Daddy. You yeah. play poker every day. <laughs> we don't know every. Maybe he only played that one time. No, he played. And it he a never lot. played blackjack because he thought it was poker at first. Yeah. I did like it was but a callback. He call has back all the knowledge. Bit. Well, and he accessed it when he was asked to play poker. He's like, oh, gambling. Access, 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 access. He probably looked up every he, he single should, game. Why would he do that? He just look at. Why wouldn't he? Because he's a robot if you're, if you're and he's all about efficiency. Why run a game? You're not card playing. games, and you play card games with your friends. You'd be like, I'm going to look up other card he games. He played poker once. Oh please, they play <laughs> poker more than once. It was only a couple of weeks ago, and they've been through a lot of shit since then. Why wouldn't he look up the things that his friends like? They went into the neutrals and they were playing the poker in the that neutral my zone. My friends like it's a human thing to do that but he would want to do. He's not human. He's a robot, Marcy. He knows. He doesn't even. Oh my <laughs> God. I don't think I have to. Well, hmm. do you want, should I weigh in? <laughs> yes. I think he probably wouldn't look up. 21 there's no reason to look at blackjack until it's until it comes up until i mean otherwise up. he would just like spend every day accessing everything and have everything immediately yeah. at his it takes him like one second to access that information. well i mean then Why he shouldn't have he? he shouldn't have to access anything then because he yeah. has he's been exactly. alive for all these years he could always just immediately know everything but no they'd have to have him access he probably the stuff there's so much information when he accesses something he probably has to delete something else right i mean if they're playing poker he's not gonna look up he no he's not gonna know act, to look he's up not acting like data normally acts in this episode anyway. Well, speaking of that, when he suddenly switches into character when playing craps, right. it's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Right. Like, all they would have had to say is, like, Riker to be like, uh, Data, you should be in character. And then if he had done it, I would have bought it. But right. for him just to be like, now I'm playing cards, yeah. craps. He, <laughs> he gets cocky real quick. It, it just it doesn't make sense how it happens. With the snapping his fingers. Yeah, and, the whole... Yeah. Though this is the one scene Andrew remembers this entire episode from childhood. And he was like, my favorite scene is when Data takes the dice and he goes... Fixes the loaded dice. fixes the loaded dice. Is that how you would fix loaded dice? Like just crushing them? I know. (laughs) And then they look exactly the same. But like as a kid, now like when Andrew told me that, I was like... You know, as a kid, that would be a really fun scene because it shows that he's an android, that he can do things <laughs> that you can't do. Sure. And he's sort of like a superhero when he does it, you know? Also, like, when they were weighted, at least then he knew what numbers they would come up, which would give him a little bit of an advantage as opposed to just fixing them. And I don't know. If it was a real I, I don't know scene. enough about craps to be talking about this, really, but... Talking craps. That's our other I'm podcast. Talking crap. Crap about craps. That's our, our third side spinoff podcast, Talking Craps. Yes. <laughs> Nasty. <laughs> I'm glad we all argued about stuff today. So I'm, not the only, I'm not the only insane one. And Cam's the one that's the instigator. No, hmm. you won't convince me otherwise. <laughs> but that somehow fucking works, and they're able to leave the casino because they became the investors. Well, first they have to spread the money around. Yeah, the card tells them, "Oh, you got to stay true to the book." <laughs> By spreading the money around and like so, like Riker tips mm-hmm. the everybody. everybody except for the assistant manager who <laughs> who's like, oh great, thanks so much. He tips the parking attendants, yeah. which they don't like, but don't exist, right? <laughs> <laughs> like it would have been funny if they just waited the next day and then when Mickey D was leaving, like Worf ran and jumped on his back and held on his back. <laughs> and then you just see like Worf come around the other side and nobody falls to the ground. That's good. That'd be good. But no, they do make it back outside, and uh, they teleport back home to the Enterprise. The worst <laughs> ending scene ever. None of it makes any sense. Nope. Like Fermo's theorem, it's a puzzle we may never solve. Yeah, we solved it, bitch. <laughs> yeah, that's basically the writer saying, like, we don't actually want to figure out all the ins and outs of these aliens, so it's a mystery! <laughs> yep, it's problems. This episode's got problems. <laughs> I guess they're trying to bookend it, but it's still... I have I, I had a lot of fun with this episode, except I thought the ending was really stupid. But it isn't about anything. Like, yeah, is is the theme just that there's mysteries we may never know? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I the theme is that they're too lazy to do any further investigation. The theme is if you go up in a spaceship with fucking Gary, who <laughs> likes reading his shitty dime store pulp novels, you tell him, fuck that. If you're going to bring a book, bring a good goddamn book. <laughs> yeah. Because if aliens build us an aquarium based on that book, I want to be trapped in fucking Ready Player One or, or Anne McCaffrey or something. Yeah. Or a Batman comic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would not want to live in Gotham City. <laughs> Uh, I, don't I, would suck balls. I would suck You could balls. travel out to Metropolis <laughs> instead or whatever. <laughs> you don't have to be stuck in Gotham. I was going to see if we could rate this in uh, 
We could rate it blackjack style, like one through twenty-one, <laughs> or we could do uh, how many uh, ammonia storm? How many ammonia tornadoes? <laughs> how many cowboy hats? Just rate it in cowboy hats. Sure. I don't know. Sure. Why not? <laughs> one to ten cowboy hats. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> I feel All like right. we could do better, but it's going to be a spread. I feel. I'm going three. Uh, three cowboy hats. Mm-hmm. I'm a six. I'm a six cowboy hats. If I came across it, I'd watch it again. I had a lot of fun. It falls apart in the end, but that's a lot of Star Trek episodes. I'm going to say 4.5. <laughs> four and Thread a half. Thread that needle. Four, oh. four and a half You liked it more than hats. I did, apparently. <laughs> One wouldn't think. I mean, yeah. I mean, I liked... Some of the fun moments for the fun moments. And Picard's that's, sigh. And that's what I, night I like. Picard. Like I just like. I like if it, there's good character moments with the characters together. I tend to rate it higher, even if it's a really. I mean, it was a really bad episode. I honestly think if they had addressed how bad these, like right off the bat, when Bellboy comes in and talks to assistant manager, and it's like this dumb dialogue. If like Riker had looked around, like this is. Strange. If they had acknowledged if had that they were like, like, is this how humans talked? And Riker was like, no. no. This is weird. Yeah, you're right. That if they had been... acknowledged how shitty the like dialogue was, then I wouldn't have wondered for, like I said, the first two thirds. Mm-hmm. Like, why is everything that's happening in this casino so shitty? See, I didn't wonder. I just thought it was standard Star Trek writing. So <laughs> I was glad at least they had an excuse for it for once. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was definitely worse than most Star Trek writing, I think. Feel free to let us know what you thought was going on or, uh, I don't know, weigh, weigh in so we can... Uh, Finally, it's put to rest this, That's right. this uh, book on tape debacle. <laughs> but either way, you can do so at facebook.com slash greenshirt, at Twitter, at greenshirt87. Join us at either places. We've got lots of fun stuff we're posting there and conversations. You can come, and uh, every week we try to ask a question that we will share our favorite answers with online. And then, as always, uh, iTunes loves things that get lots of ratings, especially five-star ratings. So head over there. Tell us what you think. Throw some stars up. Yeah. Five. Love us. Five of them. What's the next episode? Well, Cam, the Uh-oh. next episode is Time Squared. More <laughs> math? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Fermat's theorem, Fermat's, Fermat's theorem. Fermat. Yeah, or maybe it's just basically like this episode again. They get stuck in Times Square on New Year's Eve, <laughs> uh, but have to relive New Year's Eve on Times Square over and over again, and it's Strange Groundhog Days. Weird. It's mm. pretty good. You Times like Squared. Even if that's not what this episode's about, I think you should write that movie. I like it. Times Squared. Groundhog Strange Days. Strange Groundhog Days. That's that, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, I do have a recommendation. I just started watching the Groundhog Day like movie that just started our series that just started on Netflix called Russian Doll. Oh, is that oh. Groundhog Day? It's a great. It's like Groundhog oh. Day. A, a lady. Every time I go to watch Star Trek, that preview starts playing. Yeah, Natasha Lyonne. Yeah, uh, but it's very different. It takes it in a very different direction than the Groundhog Day. It's not the. Mm-hmm. It's funny that we like. There's a Groundhog Day cliche, even though like right. it's right. pretty unique. But this it takes this sort of that sort of conceit. Also, it's hardly the first one to do that. Right, yeah. it's the best one to do it. Yeah. But. Uh, but yeah, I recommend this this Russian doll show that I'm about halfway through. All right, well, that was a uh, an episode. <laughs> <laughs> Another episode before we get to uh, some Borg and some Four Lights and some Wharf Mommy and whoa, somebody's been doing some research. <laughs> somebody's lived on Facebook for the past ten years. <laughs> <laughs> Has nerdy friends who post Star Trek memes. All right, well, thanks, guys. Bye. Later. Hey, I'm sorry we fought. Nasty.